for anyone listening in and we might um also be turning this into a podcast eventually so anyone listening in live or later on um this is just a weekly check-in that we do over at decrypt um to kind of just check in on how we're feeling about ai advancements everything is moving so quickly in the ai space and so every week we carve out 30 minutes to just kind of come on here and uh talk about some of the breaking stories and just um kind of decide if we think that these stories are highs lows uh uh-ohs try and kind of figure out um yeah our takes on them and um would love to also hear from you guys if you have any questions about what's going on in the space but um maybe yeah let's go ahead and kick it off Ryan and Jason there's a lot going on this week um I was thinking maybe we could start off by talking about meta we love we love a meta story meta is just um they're cooking up a lot these days in the AI space um one of those things is the new celebrity faces feature that they're launching um they're basically paying celebrities to come in and sit for like a couple hours and they replicate their likeness and turn it into an AI chatbot. Um, Zuckerberg has said that interacting with these celebrities could come as soon as next year. So it's not like a 2023 thing just because there's concerns around like what these chatbots might say and celebrities are, you know, worried about their their likeness being used for something that they don't agree with, which is totally understandable. Um, so that's, that's something that Meta has been working on. Um, Ryan, Jason, I would love to hear your hot takes on this. Is this something, I mean, I have my own POV happy to share too, but hi, low, uh-oh, how do we feel about this developing story? Well, I'm thinking about it in a practical way, so I might call it a high. I mean, the fact of the matter is I could use an audio book that, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, not, uh, narrated feed that into an ai and get benedict coverbatch to whisper sweet nothings into my ear so i like that these celebrities and meta are like we're going to get ahead of it and we're going to just do it first and the fact of the matter is i kind of like where they're like well we're going to use this famous athlete and you can have this athlete interact with me but we're going to give the athlete a name that's not me like i would love to even hear the legal conversation between even though this is a I don't know, Patrick Mahomes bot. We're going to call it uh, Chief Man. Like, why? <laughs> they, you, they will give you every possible signal to know who the celebrity is that you're interacting with without actually naming the celebrity. I think that's fascinating, too. But I think I want to hear about Jason and his occult master, uh, Alistair Crowley. <laughs> well, okay, before we do that, the problem I have with what Meta's doing is that you're basically snubbing all the people who are concerned about AI taking over Hollywood, actors' jobs, things like that. You're showing that you can do it. So they're not, as as much as they are pushing this towards the consumer, I think they're really pushing it towards businesses. And, you know, like the uh, AI news reporter in Kuwait, for example, it pops up on the screen, looks like a regular person and tells you the news. Okay, that's very cool, but now you put a reporter out of work. So it's like, you know, I I would call it an uh uh-oh, uh-oh right now, just because I don't think we understand the implications of all these celebrities making these digital avatars of themselves. 
Yeah, that's that's fair. And that's a, an interesting concern to bring up just from like a, a labor perspective, right? Um, in terms of how is this going to affect people's jobs? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts too on on how you think this might affect socioeconomic divides. I know that that's kind of maybe getting into like broader broader territories here, but when I think about Meta launching a product like this, I just think about how we already live in such a commoditized world. Like when it comes to our attention and how we give it out, companies and creators are just competing for that left and right. And at the end of the day, like we're the product. And so to me, what's concerning about this is it's a, the effect that, you know, this could have on, on people's mental health, just not maybe being able to distinguish between like whether or not someone is real or whether or not it's a bot that they're talking to, but then also like, just growing economic divides, right? Like when I hear about someone who was paid $5 million to sit down for only six hours, like that just seems outrageous to me. And and when we think about how certain people are going to be compensated in this growing space versus other people who kind of just are the product when it comes to their attention span. And that's most of us, right? Like how any, any thoughts you guys have on, on, on that like is this something that we should be concerned about in terms of like growing socioeconomic inequality when it comes to like companies creating more content faster content more engaging content and like the rest of us just kind of like schlopping around like zombies just like enjoying and taking in all of that content and like essentially paying for it is that I don't know that that worries me what are your takes my my Okay, so going back to the question about Aleister Crowley. So Aleister Crowley, uh, he founded the uh, philosophy religion of Thelema uh, back in 1903. So he died in 1947, and there's very few recordings of him, but he has plenty of books. So creating an avatar of him and feeding the books into the chatbot so that you can interact, quote-unquote, with him is one thing. What we're talking about today is, oh, shout out to Mavius Lynn. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. And what we're talking about today is me as a background actor being paid one time, probably less than $2,000, and having a digital avatar of me created that the studios can use in perpetuity. That's what SAG-AFTRA and the striking actors are concerned about. If you're taking a person of the past who's deceased, who's has an estate that you can negotiate with, fine. Make all the avatars of that you want. And it's, uh, for example, uh, Khan Academy has their AI that will let you talk, you can't see my air quotes, with um, historical figures ranging from Harriet Tubman to Genghis Khan. That's pretty cool. I like that, especially for educating children. But when you're talking about movies that make up to two, three billion dollars, you have to really be concerned about where the technology is being used and how the people are being compensated. The public, all we care about is that Tom Cruise running across the train. We don't really think that he's been digitally recreated and never set foot on stage. I think when we talk about the, the, the you know, economic divide, I think obviously 
it's a systemic issue, so it's not AI that's going to make or break it. Yes, it's true that a celebrity uh, makes, I don't know, 10,000 more than a OnlyFans influencer, <laughs> but I think that long tail is still of value. What I think we've already started to see when um, you could now recreate the movie experience at home or recreate a music experience at home is that artists with influence have to do things like, I don't know, go on a international world tour that breaks every record on the planet. Like people begin to pay not to have access to the work product, but to your creation of it in person. And so I don't, you know, I'm not as worried about the fact that um, a beginner creator doesn't make as much money as Tom Cruise. I think that's going to be ever the case. I think actually, though, we're going to see a diminishing power of a-list celebrity like that's going to get smaller and i think we're going to see more um mid-level kind of rise up because they're more accessible to people in terms of the artificial intelligence experience and people not knowing whether they're dealing with the real thing or not i think that's just because we're in this early space i mean the first time they showed a moving picture uh, of a train coming down a track people in the theater ran for their lives like it took a while to figure out that okay in this environment this is a simulation um, the, the the primary issue in there is the disclosure part because if it becomes completely indistinguishable from the real thing, then you're going to have problems. It's funny that you you mentioned that because I remember my father telling me, um, okay, so there was a movie back in the 1950s called Blackboard Jungle. It was uh, one of Sidney Poitier's first movies, right? And they the intro is the song Rock Around the Clock. Uh, if you ever watch Happy Days, that's the theme song in the Happy Days. And people, he used to tell me, would get up in the theater to dance to that song in the theater, even though it wasn't the band, it wasn't even the record playing, it was just the music being piped in. So, yeah, it, it's. I think it's, it's also a, a time thing where um, right now we have this view of AI that in say 20 30 years it's going to be so ingrained that people won't even think about it yeah absolutely this is just the first wave and we're kind of trying to figure out what it it looks like and freaking out you know in some in some shape or form but i i hear you on i think ryan that example was was spot on about the first time people saw a train in motion and how they just freaked out and we're, we're living through something kind of similar in the AI space right now. Well, last question on this and we'll, we'll move on to another topic, but there's four celebrities that have been named that are part of this as of now, Kendall Jenner, Snoop Dogg, Tom Brady, and Paris Hilton, who of the four on Meta's new AI chatbot platform would you guys speak to? I'm not going to lie. I'm not super excited about any of them, but I would probably do Snoop Dogg. Probably Snoop Dogg, because the only thing I would ask uh, Tom Brady AI is what? You didn't see FTX coming? What? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. That's a great question, actually. Well, that's interesting. I'm definitely not a celebrity person. I only recently figured out what a, gen a Jenner was, but um I guess Snoop Dogg, simply because he's also playing in crypto, like he's playing with technology. And I find that fascinating. I love it. Um, well, there we go. Snoop Dogg, it would be. Um, okay, well, let's let's move on to um, another story here that I would love to hear your guys' take on. Um, so 
there was recently a poll done by the AI Policy Institute, um, and it was conducted by YouGov that surveyed about a thousand Americans. And this uh, survey, uh, when the results came in, apparently 63% of Americans uh, who responded to this said that um, they wanted more regulation when it comes to um, AI super intelligence development. Um, I wonder if there's a bit of a disconnect between what everyday people want. I know this is specifically targeted to the United States. Um, so apologies to anyone who's listening in from outside the, the U.S. But I wonder if there's a bit of a disconnect here between what everyday people want and what what tech companies are just building because, you know, they kind of see dollar signs around it and it's exciting. It's moving quickly. If they don't do it, their competitor will. What do you guys think about this? I mean, high, low, uh-oh. I kind of hear this and this seems like an uh-oh, um, but would love to hear your guys' takes. Well, I know Mom. Jason... Did... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I know uh, Jason covers a lot on the regulatory side, too, and I think we have this conversation fairly regularly. I think that the problem with regulation is that it's, one, um, ineffective because there are people who simply won't follow regulation, and regulations are national, and there are borders in this world. Secondly, of course, is that the horse is out of the barn, whatever metaphor you want to use. We have our um, co colleague, Jose. He's running all of his AI on his computer, like if if you don't have to connect to Google or Microsoft or OpenAI to use these tools, that those aren't going to be ways to gate control uh, access to it. I do like the mention, um, I think this is you, Abby, too, about the idea of technological solutionism that people who say, well, technology is going to solve everything. Technology is going to solve the climate crisis. Technology is going to solve the labor crisis. Technology is going to be X, X Y, and Z. Like, that's the solution to things. And we just put all of our hopes and dreams into that basket and just assume that, one, it's going to work, and two, it's not going to kill us all. I think that's certainly the challenge. I've been seeing a lot of people saying that AI, for example, is going to get our work done in three out of five days or then two out of five days so we can have those other three days to do whatever we want. But that's never been the case. The that that is the biggest uh, real world thing that I think people can remember is that when we moved from writing by hand to typewriters to computers, it's not like we worked less. They just got more work out of us for the same amount of money. So uh, I think, you know, thinking that technology is going to be a good thing is one problem with the way we think today because of the technology age. But secondly, I do agree that regulation is not going to make a difference. So if this poll is saying, yes, right. let's put these guardrails in place, those guardrails will be ignored. I think if you're going to have any type of meaningful regulation, it has to be applied to how the AI models are trained, uh, the kind of data they're able to collect um, and permissions. Because like Ryan said, the horse is already out of the barn, so you can't regulate its use in, once it's in the hands of millions of people. It's too late. Uh, my, I was talking to uh, Alex DeVries yesterday about that, and it's funny because he mentioned uh, the hype around blockchain. And I, I got into the Web3 space in 2016, and I've heard Wait, Jason... Yeah. Can you give us a little blurb on who Alex DeVries is as well? He's a uh, he he uh, is the founder of Digi Economics uh, Economist, and uh, he's on Twitter, so you guys can follow him. Uh, and he tracks a lot for a while. He's been tracking the energy usage of Bitcoin, 
And he started tracking the energy usage of AI tools too, because some of these tools, like uh, I think it's between five to 50 queries is, I saw one report that is like a hundred watts of energy, something like that. And so he's been tracking that. Um, But we were talking about this yesterday and, you know, when blockchain first became a thing, it was supposed to solve every problem. It was supposed to solve healthcare. It was supposed to solve inequality. It was supposed to serve all this stuff when all it is is a digital ledger. And But the, the hype and the enthusiasm was there so much that people were putting it on this high pedestal that it doesn't really deserve to be on. And pretty much AI in its current form is the same thing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I hear you on that. It feels like there was a lot of rhetoric um, when Web3 kind of started getting more into the mainstream just around like how it was going to solve so many problems. And then slowly and surely it just kind of like, you know, some of that that rhetoric died down and and people started focusing on just one one area at a time. Um, That's an interesting comparison, I think, to the, the AI space. Um, just circling back just real quick to the sort of like regulatory concerns and all that. I have this one quote that I just want to read off real quick because I think it's fascinating and then we'll move on to another topic. But um, Jack Clark, who's um, he's the co-founder of Anthropic, which um, if you you're not familiar, it's an AI safety and research company. He um, so he has this blog and recently he got kind of vulnerable in his blog about things he's confused and uneasy about when it comes to AI And I just want to read out this quote just because I I thought it was fascinating. But he basically says, technologists have always had something of a libertarian streak. This is perhaps best epitomized by the social media and Uber era of the 2010s. Vast systems deployed and scaled with little regard to the societies they were influencing. This form of permissionless innovation is basically the preferred form of development in Silicon Valley and the general move fast and break things philosophy of tech. Should the same be true of AI? Question mark. I just thought that was fascinating because he's, you know, once again, Jason, like drawing parallels, right, between like previous waves of technological innovation and not Web3 specifically here, just general technological innovation. But um, I think he brings up an interesting point about how sometimes we just move quickly um, before really thinking about how this is going to affect society. I don't think any of those waves were bad, right? Like I love, I love Uber. I use it all the time. I love Airbnb, like all of those apps that kind of broke down a lot of barriers, I think are, are great, but it's just interesting to also think about some of the ramifications they they've had. So just interesting food for thought. Would love to hear your guys' uh, thoughts. Just um, um, pop them, pop them in the chat. If uh, you guys have any, or also feel free to raise your hands. If you guys have like anything you want to add to the conversation or questions for, for Ryan and Jason, but um, wanted to just share that with you guys. Um, Cause I thought it was interesting. Um, would love to also chat, uh, Ryan and Jason a little bit about Microsoft. Um, Jason, I know that you have heavily, uh, been following the latest on Microsoft and open AI and that sort of complicated, weird relationship. Um, we were talking about it in Slack right before this space. Um, could you maybe give us a little bit of a TLDR on that relationship and where it stands now, just because they're they're two of the biggest players in the space. 
Um, and yeah, would love would love for you to fill us in on on the latest on what what they've been working on. Well, Microsoft invested heavily in OpenAI. Uh, some estimates put it at about ten billion dollars so far, and Microsoft integrated all pretty much all of uh, OpenAI's technology into um, into uh, its its office services. So its co-pilot is backed by uh, ChatGPT. Um, its uh, art generator is Dolly. I don't know if it's Dolly 3, but it's Dolly, OpenAI's Dolly. And, you know, it's a pretty close-knit relationship. Uh, what we were talking about is the fact that they spent all of this money but then there are reports that they're not seeing the investment recouped because of how it's being sold to the public. $10 billion is a lot of money to try to get back relatively quickly, and it's almost impossible. Couple that with you're only charging maybe $7 a month for office subscriptions, and Bing is integrated with ChatGPT, and that's free to use if you use the Bing Bing search engine. So, how are you going to make your money back? I think where I think where investors would have probably preferred is if these tools were um, pointed towards enterprise and governments more. Uh, I think they would probably reconsider now focusing on the consumer especially when you consider regulations when you consider uh, access that people may or may not have to the internet there's a lot more to consider when you're pointing these tools toward the general public as opposed to corporations and governments absolutely yeah it's kind of funny to me just thinking about the relationship between the two it feels very high school in a lot of ways um uh, a lot of, you know, Microsoft just kind of like just running and integrating uh, chat GPT into Bing, even though OpenAI had said like, wait, like we're not ready for that. Um, and then Microsoft not knowing when OpenAI even released chat GPT just feels like a weird relationship for two companies that are actually supposed to be really close um, to each other. But um, a lot of we we love uh, we love tech drama. I love tech drama. Um, fun times yeah, always. This tech drama is the Terminator. So <laughs> it's oh yes yes. What did you mean by that? Well, we were talking about this earlier, and Jason said this is going to lead to the Terminator. What did you mean by that? Well, think about it. What do high schoolers like to do more than flex on their peers? You know, show off their latest shiny thing. And then once you show your shiny thing, I have to show my shiny thing. And then it just devolves from there. You take translate that mentality to AI. Okay, your AI does words. Okay, mine does video. Okay, yours does uh, pictures. Okay, mine can be your AI girlfriend. Okay, well, mine can talk to an uh, ancient ruler from Mesopotamia. Okay, well, mine can pilot an airplane. Okay, well, mine can pilot a missile cruiser. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just that uh, childish one-upmanship that we really need to get over when we're considering how powerful these tools are. I have a confession. I wonder. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Confess. Confess. I, 
Confession, I have never watched The Terminator, but Get out. based Get on out. my very quick, I know, ah! <laughs> based on my very quick Googling and the name alone, it connotes uh, a potential end of civilization. I'm seeing something about an indestructible cyborg killing machine. Well, that's the, um, that's the problem is that you, these things are not built in a vacuum. And they're not building themselves. There are people building this stuff. So anything AI can do, someone taught it, told it to do. So if it comes to that, it's because somebody thought it was a good idea to create a humanoid robot, program it with an AI that was self-sustaining. That was our fault. So whatever happens on a global scale because of AI, we have nobody to blame except ourselves terrifying terrifying let's let's uh pivot real quick into happier matters before i get a little a little too scared here um we'll continue this this chat in our slack guys <laughs> um but speaking of microsoft um real quick and i know we're at time here but um would love to just talk about this story real quick before we wrap um speaking of microsoft uh peter lee who um i believe is uh, in charge of their research um, over there. Yeah, Microsoft Corporate Vice VP of Research and Incubations. That's a mouthful. Um, he recently spoke at a conference about how um, AI is going to be used um, to essentially help on the medical research front when it comes to longevity and just just general like better practices when it comes to research and diagnosing um, medical conditions. Um, Ryan would love to hear your take on this. This obviously, I don't even think we need to say, is this a high low? Oh, this is obviously a high, um, but would love to hear your take on this. And then maybe if you could share a little bit with our audience about um, the upcoming longevity newsletter uh, that we're going to be launching at Decrypt, that would be great too. Sure, and uh, thanks for allowing me. Uh, this was Jason's hard work on this article on the Longevity Conference, but a significant portion, I, I think several tracks, several speakers on the Longevity Conference talked about AI because, frankly, that's all everybody talks about. Um, but, yes, it's a high, and I think what I've been enjoying is that AI has already been applied in medicine on a ground frontline level like it's just really good at being the first look not the only look at pet scans and cat scans it's the it's able to see a unusual concentration of proteins or uh you know a, a, a lump better than the human eye can um and so that already is great it's increasing diagnosis um, capability probability of success and this Microsoft fellow, although he was talking about the very high-level ways that AI can assist in medicine, he also had the very human story of, like, he was starting to fight with his sister over the care of their dad um, because you're trying to unscramble the language of a doctor and turn it into something that you agree. I mean, if you can't even agree on the definitions, you can't agree on a path forward. And so he was saying, well, we were giving the doctor's reports to AI, and AI was summarizing it in a way that we could understand. And so I think... Across the board, uh, although we can apparently not go a single week uh, in these 
spaces without mentioning the word Terminator, I do think that we should also focus on the ways that these technologies can make things better. And before we get into the newsletter, Jason, you um, were listening to this, but as well as other speeches from this longevity conference. Uh, did you have thoughts about your um, feelings on artificial intelligence and healthcare? This was actually probably the best story I've heard so far about it's especially ChatGPT's uses because the idea that you can, okay, the doctor's saying this thing that we don't understand and we're arguing over it. Okay, let me put what he said in this chat bot and then let the chat bot tell us what this person said. That That's beautiful, especially when you have a sick parent you cannot focus on the, the little things you're trying to think about this bigger, crazy thing that's happening in your life. People are fighting, people are arguing, people are just going crazy about it. And this tool made everything calm down and made, made it so that everyone understood at the same time. You can tell it to explain at a certain level, like, explain heart surgery to me like I'm in the fifth grade. It'll do it. And that's very helpful. I would love to see more of that. Um, what the other speakers were talking about were um, in regards to just um, longevity in general, uh, using AI to, um, okay, I have this food. Is this food nutrition nutritionist? And tell me, uh, why or why not, you know, things like that. That's very helpful. And that could help everyone from just the regular person all the way to nutritionists. So I'm, I'm very bullish on using AI for that. I think that's a great, great way to do it. And it's a, it's a universal story for any of us who've dealt with um, caring for our parents or being the sandwich generation, as they say, trying to figure out how to raise kids and raise your, or, uh, you know, uh, take care of your parents. But, you know, the university of universality of life and the universality of death, um, not that that's the most awkward transition you've ever heard, but as we close... I did want to mention that, of course, artificial intelligence is part of Emerge, which is a hub on Decrypt that is covering technologies that are of the future, that are looking ahead of the cutting edge. And longevity is one of the key pillars. And what we will be doing is talking about longevity in a newsletter. And what's interesting is that right now we're also having a moment in these biohackers, people who are trying to extend their lives posting all of their experiments on the internet and then other people copying their experiments to see if they work. And perhaps you may or may not want to be in that particular boat, um, but we will be getting to the heart of these various approaches, whether it's hardware, software, um, nutrition, anything, you know, uh, genetic modifications. These are all on the table when people are trying to extend their lives. So Emerge will have a longevity research launching in the coming weeks. Um, and what we're going to be doing also is surveying people to see what they're specifically interested in, what their questions are, and what kind of lifestyle they currently live. So I would encourage you to head over to decrypto.co slash emerge and uh, look for the longevity newsletter and sign up. Amazing. I love ending on a happy note. Um, and 
health. That's called a call to action there, Abigail. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, you heard it. A call to action. I mean, it's still a pretty happy note, though, if you ask me. Longevity, health. They are all positive topics, um, especially when we spent a lot of our time talking about the Terminator. Um, but as Ryan said, yeah, head to our website, check out um, the Emerge landing page. Uh, we have a little section there devoted to the longevity newsletter that we're going to launch. Um, and then just also a final plug for you guys. Um, we just launched Emerge last week. Um, and as, so this is all, you know, very new for all of us. And as part of that, we want to build out a space for the Emerge community. So you'll see um, on on X right above this space, uh, we have a little poll going right now. Would love for you guys to like um, participate and let us know what platforms you like best um, uh, to interact on when it comes to community related stuff. Um, there's a couple different platforms that we're considering, but we basically want to launch something where people can come if they work in in AI, emerging tech, ML. Uh, health tech, space tech, whatever it might be, but talk about whatever projects they are currently working on, why they're excited about them, um, a section uh, for people to review different AI tooling that they might be trying, maybe another section to talk about uh, weird and funny like mid-journey AI art fails that we see. Um, as of now, we have a whole section in Discord devoted to this, but um, yeah, we're just trying to figure out the best platform to build this in, and so I would love your your input as we want this to be not just for us, but, but for our wider community at large. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the last, uh, last plug for the week. Any, any concluding thoughts, Ryan and Jason, or should we wrap it up? I think the Metallica got me a little worked up, so I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I, I loved the Metallica. I I'm here for it. I'm expecting it next week now. Yeah. Um, but no, this has been a great conversation. Um, and I look forward to uh, continuing these. Um, you know, Ryan has been a great partner in um, following, covering these stories and getting them out to everyone. And I couldn't have asked for a better partner to do this with. Oh, man, I love you, too. Yes, thank you, uh, Jason, fantastic writer, Abby, for bringing the energy and youthful verve and uh these are great i I love having a weekly check-in to just talk about these things awesome thanks so much guys thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week at noon bye bye